Welcome to the Women in Family Law podcast. I'm Hannah Markham, the chair of the association. Women in Family Law connects, encourages and promotes professional women across the field of family law in England and Wales. We offer advice, support and mentoring. And of course, these podcasts. Good afternoon, everyone. It's great to be doing another Women in Family Law podcast. And today I'm very excited to be joined by Ilari Jones, who is a barrister from 1GC, that's Garden Court, and not just any barrister. She was awarded the International Academy of Family Lawyers European Chapter Young Lawyers Award in 2020, and she was winner of International Family Lawyer of the Year 2019. And we're going to get into that a bit later on in our discussions. But first of all, welcome, Alary. Thank you very much indeed, Suzanne. So just starting at the very beginning, why did you want to go into family law? Well, it's quite an interesting question, actually. I think, first of all, the decision was law at all, because actually for most of my childhood, I wanted to be a doctor. Both my parents were doctors, I should add. And in particular, I wanted to be an eye surgeon. But then as I went through school, I, I think really you couldn't have paid me to do a chemistry A-level, which I would have needed to do. So I'm afraid I had to then ditch the idea of medicine. But then I was thinking, well, what else do I like? And that's where law came into the frame. And I was interested, because of my interest in medicine generally, in the law and ethics of medicine. And I did a dissertation at my degree level about that. But actually, in the end, it was family law that won out for me because I was really interested in the idea of working with people, you know, help them with problem solving. But as to where I got the idea from, it was actually when I was a child, I used to watch Neighbours, uh, the Australian soap. And I was just really intrigued by a storyline that came up in one of the episodes, one of the characters about um, the daughter and some legal issues that had arisen in the family. And I could just see how directly family law affected people's everyday lives. So I think that was where the idea of family law popped into my head and I explored that some more and really looked back since, I have to say. And what's your particular area of focus now? At the moment, I'm working in both private child work and family finance work. I used to do more broadly than that, but I've narrowed it down over the years. But my particular focus is in the international aspect of both areas of law. Um, So, you know, questions of jurisdiction and forum, if there are competing proceedings and then recognition and enforcement of orders across borders. And it's the international side of the work that's been my focus in the most recent years. And I would say probably pretty much part of every case that I'm doing, with the odd exception nowadays. Yeah, I think that's something that I've really noticed in my career is the growth of international work and just how many cases by way of percentage have an international element. So something we all really need to know something about at least. And how and why did you get to concentrate on those areas? Well, I think a a bit of a mix of reasons. I'd say by design from the beginning uh, with lots of hard work and definitely some luck along the way, uh, I think I can you know, take it right back to when I was at university, I did study law and I really loved conflict of laws. And so that was a, a paper I chose in my last year, but I'd also spent a year abroad uh, studying law in Germany in Regensburg. I think really just sort of for me, it was a, a fascination of the idea about how different legal systems interact, given how so different the approaches are in, in each country. You know, you think about how we have a 
a common law system in England and the very civil law approach in many other European countries, which you know I've been learning all about. And because, as we discussed, you know, family law was at the top of my list, families move around all over the place. And very much, as you've said, the change over time has meant the world effectively has got smaller and smaller. And, you know, families, they, they break up whichever country you live in, sadly. And, and that's where I think for me, it's been so important to work hard to try and respect proceedings or orders across borders. And so when I went into my pupillage, I actually thought that I would like finance work the best. Um, but I started off doing more children work with my first pupil supervisor and we focused a lot on international child abduction work and relocation cases, that kind of thing. And I, I found that I just loved that as well. So it was from there that I had a really good base and I just looked out for lots of opportunities to try and work more on those kinds of cases, whether, whether it was just myself or being led by someone else. And, and that's really just been my luck, I think, to, to develop a practice with a large international dimension. And sort of then, I suppose, trying to complement that with other opportunities that have been available, like I was um, encouraged to apply to join Resolutions International Committee. Thankfully, was, I was successful with that. And so, you know, it's been a great opportunity to meet uh, like-minded people who, who also like working in, in international family law. And you've actually sort of moved then into the whole world of Brexit. And I was about to say a world of pain, but not for you, I would say. So tell us a bit more about your work in relation to Brexit and how you got into that. Oh, I don't know. I think I could agree sometimes. It has been very painful. <laughs> I think really the, the more I had talked to people about my interest in the international work and the more I wrote about it or talked about it, the more I got my name uh, around there as somebody who had an interest in that and had, well, let's say, some sort of idea about what it's all about. I was invited into a small group of people, it was solicitors, barristers, an academic and a judge or two, and we were just, I think it was to start with, just discussing the maintenance regulation, aware that most people would rather watch paint dry than talk about that, but we seemed to form a little band of geeks who liked talking about it. They got to know me, I got to know them. And then one day I was, uh, I think I was in a bar at the time actually, but I got a phone call from somebody in the group asking if I would write a paper on behalf of the FLBA resolution and the IAFL about the effect of Brexit on family law. And most particularly looking at the different options going forwards. And I was, I was so excited to do that. It was a really big job, but it was very, very interesting. I took four days and probably some more out of my diary to do it. Uh, and put together this options paper, which was fortunately well received and then sent off to the government in, in late 2017. And so, so from that point onwards, my name was out there associated with things to do with Brexit and family law. Uh, I was then, I think probably because of that, I'm, I'm sure delighted to be invited to be part of other groups and looking at that kind of topic. I was involved and honoured to be asked to, to work with Baroness Sherlock to help her with the speech she was doing in the House of Lords uh, and then working in various different groups at different times to help the Ministry of Justice when they were considering the implications of uh, Brexit for family law. Well, I mean, obviously they were considering implications of Brexit generally, but they had little groups uh, and called us their stakeholder uh, group for family law. And it's spiraled since then I think really and it continues I mean, I'm not going to list all the groups I'm in now but I certainly feel very privileged to be part of all of them. I certainly think your name is synonymous with Brexit whenever I think <laughs> Brexit I think Ellery. Um, so what would you describe as the most significant point in your career so far? 
that's a tough one. I'm not really sure if I could um, perhaps pinpoint a single time. I, I probably would say the year 2018 to 2019, and that that's when all that Brexit work has really taken off. It was when I was asked to participate in so many key projects about Brexit and family law, and then being surprised but delighted to be put forward for the uh, International Family Law as a Year Award, which uh, amazingly I won in 2019, as you kindly said. And then it was just after I won that award that I entered the IFL competition at the end of 2019. And then amazingly I won that. So it's been a bit of a whirlwind and a period in my career I'm sure I will never forget. So if I'm allowed to pick a sort of year and a bit either side, that's probably what I would say. I'll allow you to pick that. That sounds good. And do you have any mentors or significant people who've helped or inspired you to get where you are? Most of my interviews, interviewees do pinpoint two or three people. I'm sure you have too. I think it's interesting to consider who those types of people might be. I think I might, I might group them into categories because, well, the wonderful thing about this job is the huge variety of people you get to meet. I came from a family where both my parents worked very hard and you know I'm sure the older that I've got the more I've appreciated everything they've done for me and, and still do so one category I definitely pick is family and my parents particularly because I've definitely been inspired by them to work as hard as I have for what I've achieved but in the in the work sphere I, I definitely have to admire a number of people in my chambers who I've had the pleasure of working with not just you know QCs who've led me in cases and dazzled me with their brilliant advocacy and their strategic thinking and wonderful client handling, which you know I just try to emulate as best I can. But you know, other colleagues as well who've taken time to listen to my frustrations or woes or have had a bad day or just had a good laugh with about something silly. And sometimes even the most mundane aspects of the jobs, like back in the day, you used to struggle with getting a really particularly difficult bundle to have to sort through and you just have someone there to talk to about that. So colleagues in chambers would be another category of people. I think the trouble is if I name someone, I'd have to, to name all of them and I'd be risking leaving um, some people out. Uh, I, I suppose there'd also be, well, there have been some solicitors who've really struck me with the dedication that they show to their clients and how far they'll go to do right by them. And I have to say sometimes they, they inspire me and I really mean that. But I think aside from being very lucky to grow up with my a very amazing family, having been fortunate enough to have a, a very good education and, and opportunities. The other aspect of doing this job and, and the people that you meet, not just saying, for example, the people I've represented, it's also people I've read about or have heard about, reminds me about how lucky I am. And in, in a way that sort of helps me be grateful for what I've got and, and careful not to waste it, if you see what I mean. That's also been an inspiration just sometimes when you're having a bit of a rubbish day. You, you do need to try and let yourself have a rubbish day, but also remember what it's all for and why you do it. I think that's really important as well. Yeah, and in fact, that sort of uh, leads me on to, I think a key topic of the moment, particularly in the pandemic, is well-being, wellness, and acknowledging that what we do is pretty stressful. And wondering with you, Ellery, how do you manage that sort of work-life balance? What are your top tips? Uh, I think, as you say, it's a, a really... Uh, really good question particularly at the moment the, the flip side of what I've just talked about is obviously having high expectations and goals for yourself can just be utterly exhausting most people I would expect that they will expect at least an experience at early years particularly at the bar 
but no doubt for young solicitors as well, it, it's extremely hard work. You have to be all things to all people. You feel like you can never say no. Uh, when you do anything, even a tiny bit wrong, you make that sort of a thousand times bigger than it perhaps needs to be. And you don't give yourself enough credit for the things that you do right and well. So I think one of the tips I would give is to say, you have to learn to say no, sometimes at least, and obviously say it nicely. But, you know, I have been reminded, particularly over the last year, that if you try and do everything or more than is reasonable for yourself in your circumstances, you'll just burn out and you'll be no good to anybody, least of all the clients that you're working so hard for. And I think the way I've tried to manage it, probably over the last year or two, is I try and protect my weekends as much as I can. I refuse point blank to work on Saturdays unless the circumstances are exceptional in some way. Um, you know, by the time I've got to the end of the week on Friday, I just have to have some time off. I know some people think about it the other way around and they want their Sundays off, but fine. Sunday mornings, you know, last year they've been quiet and not had much to, um, to get out and about and do. But if I'm not doing something, I'll try and keep that low key. And then if I have to, yeah, I can work on a Sunday afternoon. But I just really think that having that proper break to the end of the week away from work is really essential. Uh, where I'm not sure I've got it right yet, though, is I, I really think I spend too much time on my emails and I slightly curse the advent of the iPhone. <laughs> but, you know, there's there's also many positive things that webmail and um, emails on your phones can bring. I'm, I'm sure there's got to be an aspect of FOMO, you know, fear of missing out going on there. And I know that every barrister is replaceable, but we all like to think that we're not. So, you know, we've I've got some more practicing to do when it comes to my, let's say, evening work-life balance I think but you know I've tried to, to start with the weekends and I can't choose it all in one go. Brilliant thank you for that and this year we've already alluded to this has been a particularly difficult year with lockdown and, and virtual working how have you found it? A multitude of different adjectives popped to mind um, weird wonderful and worrying I think weird because obviously it's you know, like nothing any of us has ever experienced before, the loss of the freedoms, the inability to see family and friends regularly, which has really got to me. Wonderful because, you know, you get more time at home, less time commuting, greater opportunities to hone all of the people as working, which I had already started well before the pandemic, but it's made us all focus on getting that right. But I think worrying just because it also makes us realise how lonely the job can be. Um, you know, contact with all of our colleagues and people generally is so important. And I do get, I have to say, really sad when I think about how the lockdown's affected children of all ages and their education and opportunities. I feel really, really bad for them. Obviously, there are many adults who suffered for various reasons as well. And I'm nowhere near that. I feel very fortunate. I've been able to keep working, earning, I've had some company at home and I've not had to contend with homeschooling. But I think the opportunities that come out of the virtual working, you know, will have to continue some aspect of it going forward. And I'm looking forward to seeing how that changes the work-life balance that we have going forward immediately and longer term. But I really am looking forward to getting back into chambers, the camaraderie of colleagues and having people to have a, a laugh with and moment to share a drink with across the board, I have to say. So it's, and to have one of your uh, famous 1GC parties, I think, please. when you're allowed. Yeah, be great. And hopefully that means that we'll have slightly better weather so that we can enjoy balcony as well. Too. Exactly. I was thinking balconies. Perfect. And um, 
Is there any advice that you would give to your younger self, looking back now from your lofty heights? What would you say? Well, I still feel like I'm still quite young already, but I was thinking about that question, um, and someone very wise in Chambers said to me just over a year ago, I think it was, it was pre-pandemic, that I should be very careful not to let my work dominate and to make sure I've got time for myself. It was incredibly given me focus on well-being that we've had over the last year or so. And he said he wished someone had said that to him when he was at my stage. You know? So that's why I, you know, I have taken it quite seriously because when you see the, the brightest and the best saying that kind of thing to you, you really do feel like there's got to be a good reason for it. So that's what prompted me to you know, try and start being careful about my own time and well, I, my initial efforts with weekends and, and holiday time, say. So I think maybe if I could give advice to myself, uh, my younger self, I would probably say two things. I would firstly warn myself that it is hard work just to be sure that I know it's coming because if you know you can plan and then perhaps be a little bit less disappointed when it invariably does spoil your plans or interrupt your life a little bit but on the other hand I would you know say just be a bit strict about your time that's mine you know it's taken me a while to get to where I am we all deserve a proper private life and we deserve that uh, we deserve it for ourselves, but we should also respect it for others. And I think just getting into a slightly different mindset about it than perhaps what has existed over the last decade or so would be really healthy across the board. So any encouragement that we could give to our younger selves to, and those you know, younger working with us now to do that would I think, be a very good thing. I entirely endorse that. I think a work-life balance is absolutely crucial. And it is something that you have to give yourself permission to have, I think. And it's about that. And getting rid of the guilt in your mind. Even yeah. if you need just a little sticky note sometimes saying the reasons why you must not wear yourself down because you'll be no good to anyone. It's like getting rid of that guilt is really important. Absolutely, absolutely. And now future focused, what are you looking forward to next in your career? Oh, I'm just going to sound like a Brexit geek again now, I think. I'm just really intrigued to see where everything's going to go with the Brexit work. Everyone, even as you said, knows I'm really, really keen on this topic. I'm very happy to puzzle through some of the tricky questions that have come up so far and no doubt will continue to come up. Um, whether I'm lucky enough to be involved in those cases or if I'm reading about them, talking about them to people, I have to say I am just fascinated to see how the law is going to develop as a result. It is going to be a huge shift uh, in our careers for those of us working at this time. Uh, and that, that is something I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing I've noticed about you and I've admired from a distance is your sort of USP, knowing quite early on what you were interested in and pursuing that. Some of it, you know, I imagine because you sought to pursue it, but then other things come your way. And I think that's something that many of our listeners will be really interested to know about. And it's something that I think it stood you in such great stead going forward. So it's been great talking to you, Ellery. Anything else that you want to say before we close today? Well, other than thank you for having me and for your kind comments, I think um, just to, to say how important I think it is that we all share our experiences especially over the last year, um, because we can only otherwise really know how we all experience it. And I think it's very valuable when we share our stories and our thoughts, the good ones and the bad ones. That's really important because otherwise, you know, we're all at risk of going a little bit mad at home at the moment. So, thank well, you thank much. you very much for sharing yours. You've been a great guest. Thank you very much, Larry Jones.
Thank you for listening to the Women in Family Law podcast. Our theme music is Low Tide by Sam Hare, found on Spotify. Please visit our website, womeninfamilylaw.net, or follow us on Twitter and Instagram at WIFLaw, and follow, rate, and review us wherever you get your podcasts.